0: One, two, three. Hey, welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. You know what? Today, I'm pretty confident that we're going to hit our goal of making you a better Amazon seller, Amazon professional, because I have with me uh, someone who's pretty impressive, has been in the game for a while. And I love when people have a seller-first mentality. They know what it takes to operate. You know, maybe even they know what failure looks like. So those are some of the things that we're going to cover. Excited to to introduce Rob Green. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive into some uh, experiences I've had and what the uh, current environment on Amazon is like today.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you've launched 17 brands. I'm sure not every one of them hit a million dollar success. But what I mean is, you know, not every brand like hits the vision. Just give us a little bit about your background. Like when did you first start selling on Amazon?
1: Yeah, so I was in corporate America like uh, many people before. They started an entrepreneurship journey, and I hated it, man. I wasn't a good fit in corporate America. So I started doing online drop shipping back in 2011, then bought the ASM course in 2014. Started my first private label brand in 2015. So, you know, I started a lot of brands over the years that haven't worked out, you know, so a decade plus now of doing uh, e-commerce. And, you know, we talked off mic on this a little bit about it. You know, I think you can learn sometimes more about what doesn't work than what does work. So I've had a lot of lessons. A lot of products haven't worked. Too so many people don't talk about that. But we've we've sold a few brands. I bought a brand. We still manage a few more that we have today. It's just the whole environment has changed quite a bit. And I think it's good to talk about failures as well as success yeah. so that people can take action on that.
0: What is your favorite part about, you know, you didn't like, you know, corporate America. What's your favorite part about running these
1: brands? Speed. I'm a quick to action kind of guy. So once we have an idea, we can take action. You know, the bureaucracy of corporate America was just, it actually True. killed me I couldn't yeah. take it. You know, we come up with a great idea and it would be maybe nine months later. You know, Amazon's a great example of that.
0: I just had lunch with a friend that works in the defense industry. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes I can't even look at him in the eye. I'm like, oh my goodness, like what you have to deal with. I'm just, we're on a different playing field Or I get an idea yeah. and you know, I, I go to market in hours, love that. Now, success stories, failures, let's hit a few of those. You launched a few products. What were some of the, what was like a difference maker between uh, what worked and what didn't?
1: Yeah. And it starts with product selection. Obviously that's the number one thing. If you choose a hard product or a a product that's almost difficult, impossible to penetrate the market, it's really going to be, you're running uphill, right? I'd rather run downhill than uphill. So is that a growing market? What is the level of competition? It all starts with the product selection in my opinion. And once we got that dialed in, it was more around the unit economics. Can we make this work from a financials perspective? I feel like, you know, we've been doing this long enough. We can rank on Amazon. We can get revenue. That's no problem. It's it the challenge nowadays is how do you get unit economics to work? Because can you make profit off of that? And that's just like everybody I think is facing today is do you have your numbers dialed in? Because I think in the past you could win in a couple of different ways and be profitable. Now I think you have to win amongst more facets of the business to be profitable because we've got all the – headwinds we're fighting now with you know ppc costs we've got fba fees going up right we've got pricing pressure selling pressure on the market because it's more competitive so i think that's the biggest lesson i've learned is that you have to constantly evolve so getting the right product selling to the right market the right branding you just have to do more things well now to win than when i started in 2015.
0: yeah especially if you're in a competitive spot like I'll never forget my cousin when he told me that he was selling a pickleball paddle on Amazon. And I was like, I thought he was destined for failure. I was like, no, don't. And little did I know he was first to market with these like graphite pickleball paddles. And like, it just worked, you know, he did really well. I think one challenge of his is he got distracted and started launching other products when like he could have leaned into that and come out on top now just one of hundreds of brands but like there was a time that like he was ahead of the market yeah and in some categories it's hard you're not ahead of the market anymore and it's just already developed interesting now what are some of the things that you feel like you know john that used to work that don't work anymore from like uh the idea phase to like they look like they work now and like but some of the strategies have to change
1: Yeah, well, I think number one is the speed of change is what's changed the most, right? So you used to be able to have an idea, launch a product six months later from, you know, on Amazon from China, let's say, and be fine. And you'd have some run up period time now. Now you find an idea by the time if you don't go fast enough to market, like you said about first mover advantage, there might be 20 other sellers by the time you actually hit the market. I think the speed is the biggest difference. To going to market nowadays you've got so many more people coming in right and i don't think a lot of like let's talk about ranking for example i don't think like a lot of those strategies have changed much over the years i just have a platform first mentality what i mean by that is i just constantly think what does amazon want from me if i can figure out what amazon wants from me and i can give amazon what they want we don't have a problem ranking Mm -hmm. we don't have a problem with ppc so as long as we understand what amazon wants and we've done our research to make sure it's a viable product with enough demand at the price point we need to sell it at, and we've done a good job with the product, then it's like, how do I just consistently give Amazon what they want, which we all know is they want sales velocity, they want high conversion rate, they want added cart, they want happy customers, they want positive reviews. How can I make it so that I'm making it easy for Amazon to put me at the top of the page? That's how I always think about this.
0: I think sometimes when you're saying like, what does Amazon want? What does also the consumer want? Like if you're putting yourself Mm -hmm. in their heads, I think you're in the right direction.
1: It's so easy now, Scott. I mean, you know, a few years ago, we used to have to download reviews and then we put them in like a mind map. Now we can use AI to understand, you know, customer sentiment of any product on Amazon. We can then take that and say, okay, well, how do we use use AI to do this we don't wanna do it manually and say, well, how can we improve an existing product to make it so that has less negative reviews and you can get feature improvements. You can get benefits from that. I mean, nowadays, it's just so much easier to really truly understand what the customer does want and to try to nail what they want and give it to them is so much easier than it was in the past, which is also contributing to the speed at which the market is moving.
0: That's true. So when you mentioned AI, like uh, we were chatting earlier, you, you have plenty of experience with like the data side making decisions I'm in the data business. I think you know data helps. It's not everything, and it shouldn't be. You know, just like your go-to. But more interestingly, you've actually spoken to Amazon execs about some of the data that they're starting to like the new data that they're starting to give. Give us your perspective and what is Amazon thinking?
1: Yeah, so I was at a meeting a couple of months ago with a few other friends. It was a small panel um, of sellers, and there was uh, about 50 execs there, and and they wanted to hear from us how we were using the data. So. So when I say the data, I mean like brand analytics, search query performance, SFR, search frequency rank. They wanna know how we're utilizing it. And the biggest feedback I gave to them, and for guys like you and I who enjoy looking at data, it's fun. I get a kick out of it. They expose something to us. I dig in, I see what it looks like. I figure out how I can utilize it in my business. Can I make better quality decisions? I think your average seller could sometimes be a little bit overwhelmed by that. So the biggest feedback I gave to them was, First of all, make everything downloadable. Number one, don't just put in a table that you can't download it, right? Give us access to the data so we can manipulate it. And then second of all, you guys should seriously consider making it some type of education around it, whether that's a use case or case study or webinar or something so that your average Amazon seller can dig in and say, okay, thank you for giving me the data. Now I can know how to use it and how I can apply it to my business. I think that's the biggest gap is. You know, a lot of execs talk about at Amazon talk about, like, we want to expose this to you and they just assume we're all going to figure out where it is on the site, how to use it. But we're all inundated with all sorts of new information on a regular basis. If they don't bring it to us and present it in a way that makes sense, most of us just ignore it until one of our friends tells us, hey, you better go look at this SFP data. So that was the big feedback to them.
0: Do you think, do you know of, like, is there more coming?
1: Oh, yeah. That's the balance, right? So there, there was somebody there from A9, there was somebody there from head of PPC, head of North America. I mean, there's definitely some high level execs. They try to measure how can they give us more information but not give us so much information that it can be gamified more easily. And that's that fine line that they're always trying to walk. And that's what they said. It was like, we want to give more. We want to empower sellers more. We don't want to give so much that it can be gamified. And they said that in so many words, right? So they're going to continue exposed, expose, but also the feedback that I gave to them is that then it depends on users, right? So if they're going to allocate money and somebody to work on this, we have to use it, right? And so sometimes that's where the disconnect is. They'll share something that a few of us think is powerful, but not enough users use it. So then they're internally, they're like, oh, no one's even using it. Why do we even put it out there? Mm-hmm. So they need that feedback loop to get more, more excited about sharing more data.
0: We can connect the dots here. Some of the businesses that you've worked on are some of the products, let's say, where has data led to like one of the biggest decisions where you're like, I see this opportunity, clear as yeah. day, now I know what to do.
1: The biggest improvement has been the SQP data, the search query performance data. So for those who are not familiar with it, search query performance data gives you an ASINs data relative to the market that Amazon determines the market at each step of the funnel, right? So that's impression data, that is click data, add to cart and conversion data across each facet of the funnel. So now you can look at that data and say, hey, wait a minute, this product spatula, my spatula outperforms the market on each pieces of this funnel. That might be something if I'm not highly ranked where if I spend more time and energy getting visibility, I'm going to convert better than the market. Therefore, I have a better chance of sticking that landing is how I think about it. So I want to understand using the data, am I outperforming the market or am I underperforming the market? Because I see a lot of sellers that underperform the market. Let's say conversion rate example. They underperform the market and they just try to do ad spend after ad spend after ad spend to try to force their way to get more organic sales. And as we all know, that just kills your margin because you you have to have organic sales to be profitable. If you're just doing PPC nowadays, you're in serious trouble. So it helped us to delineate where and what energy we should spend on our keywords and where we should put those keywords and really double down on ones that work or were better than the market and then review ones that are not, we're not better than the market. Are we irrelevant? Could we change our listing to make it more appealing to that keyword? Could we change our stack images to highlight that? Is it, is it an important enough benefit or feature? By doing that, we hone in more on the individual buy ACE and buy keyword strategy, which leads Mm -hmm. to better ranking, better organic sales, more profitability. But it's that granular level now that A, we couldn't do in the past, and B, most sellers don't really know how to do, to be honest.
0: You definitely have a passion about some of these things that (laughs) I've had a few conversations, even on this podcast where I'm like, no, guys, like, this is like, this is cool stuff. And and the guests just like under-delivered. You're over-delivering right now. So it's like, I have seen that. The search query performance, I've been there where I was like, oh my goodness, I understand how I need to advertise this product. And we were like, no, we're not going to get slaughtered over here. We're just going to like, where we win And just stay there.
1: We run this on all of our products. We do it on all of our products. And significantly since that data has been exposed, has helped the performance of each individual product.
0: Yeah. Now... You work with a lot you and know, talk, and uh, your friends with a lot of large sellers, eight-figure mm-hmm. sellers. So let's just spend a bit of time. Like, what do they think about? What do they worry about? What are the challenges of those that like? For a lot of others, think like, oh, you guys, you guys made it. They're, they don't feel that way. I guarantee you, if they built up themselves. They're still probably not quite satisfied. What do eight-figure sellers worry about?
1: It's interesting. So I co-founded a mastermind called Nobs uh, six years ago. We've been getting together. We used to do it all over the world. Now we just do it here in Scottsdale. Every four months, we get together three times a year. It's 11 of us. We typically have like three to four guests each event and it's all about best practices. So what's working, what's not working in your business. And it's interesting as we've all evolved and our businesses have grown, it's switched more from tactics to strategies, hiring, building teams, but we all worry about the same things, which is how do we stay on the edge of what's happening? And then number two is how do we stay profitable? I know a lot of guys, no, I should say a lot. I know quite a few guys that do multiple eight figures who don't make profit.
0: Do you think some of them feel like, oh, I'm not profitable because I'm in growth mode and then yes. I can I can dial back the moment I need yes. to?
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, most of the people, I mean, these guys are all savvy. The people that I do know that, are, that, that don't make profit, it's, it's usually a choice. Right. So they're saying I'm willing to over invest on my marketing. I'm going to grow. As long as you understand, number one, what your goal is. Are you building a cash flow business to try to make profit now? Or are you trying to build a hundred million dollar exit or multi hundred million dollar exit where I don't care about profit now? I've got enough runway. I've got cash to grow the business. I, I say this all the time, but it's like it's like revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity and cash flow is reality. Right. And so you just have to understand what the what path you're on, and what the goal is for that brand. And there's nothing wrong with any of those goals as long as I understand what game you're playing. So there's nothing wrong with not making money if you've got the cash and you're able to you have a goal in mind and you're headed towards that goal. But I think that's where we all worry about the same things is how do we stay on the edge? How do we stay up to speed with what's happening in the marketplace? Amazon off Amazon, you know, TikTok shops, we've been talking about that a ton lately. So TikTok shops, Amazon, how do we stay? channel on the edge of what's happening and then how do we make profit and continue to grow the, the lifetime value of our customers yeah.
0: same yeah. challenges
1: just yeah. more zeroes
0: I agree you know it's the comparison between someone doing like hourly labor versus someone that's like running a business they both work the same amount of hours just so one of them works at a very at a different the lever like their potential is just considerably higher are these types of sellers really worried about like multi-channel sales? You mentioned TikTok shop, maybe, you know, if you have eight figures, I hope you would have some sort of brand identity where you're like, you know what, we actually have our customers and they, they follow us here.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, multiple people are, you know, retail, you've obviously got the Shopify, the other marketplaces, the Walmart, I mean, TikTok shops is brand new, you know, a couple months ago in the U S at least. So I think that's a new emerging market, but almost everybody I know is, you know, multi-channel if they're, if they've reached that level. Uh, at least multiple channels the challenge is like how do you allocate your time and energy the story I hear a lot is they make profit on Amazon they break even in retail and they might maybe they lose money on the D C on Shopify and then you've got to blend how aggressive do I want to be in each of these channels based on the goal that I've got in mind
0: if you like e-commerce that sounds fun and like to degree like I even this morning heard someone like talk about a different launch strategy. I'm like, like, oh, that sounds like fun. I could give up what I currently do and just do that. And I think it'd be rewarding because, you know, um, e-commerce scales, e-commerce has leverage, you know what I mean? So lots of different channels to work. Do you think TikTok shop is going to work?
1: Oh my God, the numbers are insane. I've been digging in like the last month. And the data is up and to the right, Scott. The numbers are insane. When I tend to like get a hold of something and start digging in, I dig in deep. So I've been really breaking it down and try to analyze what's happening, what's working, what's not working. And so I'm having regular conversations around it. I don't know long term. And obviously, if, if the U.S. government bans TikTok, it's not going to work. But barring that happening, the volume is growing every single day. The bar chart keeps going up and to the right.
0: Well, and they're in some ways just a proof of like social media actually going in a direct e-commerce route. Yes, Instagram has been in it for a minute, but like Mm. you don't hear a lot about it because it probably just hasn't like crushed it on all angles. Now, so if TikTok does... Yeah, that kind of proves something. That's really interesting. It's already yeah. worked.
1: just not in the U.S. I mean It's been doing it in China forever. I mean, oh, right. it's been going on for you know, a decade in China, Southeast Asia has been using. I mean, Philippines and they've got Shopee. I mean, there's all sorts of examples of this social media yeah. purchasing going on. You know, there's a cultural change over the U.S. But it sure. seems like people are very interested in it because they just, just keep getting traction every single day.
0: Okay. We're going to hit all our ideas on this one because this all is right. something. I thought about it three years ago and I'm like, I just can't do it. Is there a smart scout for TikTok? Are there some TikTok tools that (laughs) give an advantage that actually give like an analysis of like what's going on in the market that are cool? Like, have you used any, any recommended, like how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, there definitely are. I had the same thought when I first started digging in a month ago. So what I did is I just went into the, went into Chinese directories and tried to find all of the SaaS products that are available in the Chinese directories. And I'm currently testing like four or five of them to try to understand because they do exist. They've built these software the past few years, just haven't been in the US market. So none of them are doing marketing, right? And so nobody knows about them in the US, because they're not marketing to the US. So I've been testing a bunch of them right now. I can't really say whether any are good or bad or even accurate, to be honest with you. But they're exposing some data along like the shops or the products or the creator side. I mean, this just feels like a perfect because, data problem to solve. Because
0: I would love to be able to answer the question. And this has an Amazon uh, tie-in as well. I would love to answer the question, you know, okay, in the last week or yesterday, what video in the beauty category just took off?
1: Is I can try that, Scott.
0: Oh, you can? Um, is yeah, that, for just, sure. That's just off of TikTok or maybe tools help?
1: Oh, no, no, tools. No, no, using tools for sure. Yeah, there, there are Smart Scout like sure. software solutions in the space that have just focused on other countries, not the US. And now they're starting to, I would guess, in the next six months, you'll we'll start to see some of these tools roll out here and market here in the US. So, be my guess. But they're mainly in right. Asia right now.
0: Let's raise a venture fund right now. Let's just build a
1: few. Or just model or model what they're doing and build off of that. The interesting part is how they're getting access. And that's the part that, you know, the beauty of Amazon is they they make the BSR available, right? Which is what Mm -hmm. allowed JungleSaw to build the algorithm to figure out how many sales per day.
0: But TikTok videos have likes and views. That's a proxy.
1: Oh, no, there's, I can see sales data. I can see revenue data. They are getting something- Yeah, 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 no, like granular data, like, hey, this creator generated three hundred and thirty dollars and eighty-six cents of sales yesterday. Like, there's got to be an API access or some type of informal agreement with ByteDance that these guys have to get the access to data. There's no way it's it's not estimate. It doesn't appear to be an estimate.
0: Wow. Okay, right. you got my attention. Um, <laughs> when you kind of figure out one solution or mark, you're like, oh, I want to like. If I were to like start something new, which direction would I would do? I'd probably try and repeat some part of a playbook. That's what you did with your 17 brands. You repeated some part of your playbook to go at it again. And which I don't, I think is smart, (laughs) at least from a risk step.
1: I mean, it's it's, it's interesting to say playbook. I mean, we're going to run the same playbook on TikTok shops that we've run on Amazon for the last decade, right? We're going to do the exact same thing. We're looking, I'm looking at it from the same approach. What does TikTok shops want? Okay, great. They want sales velocity. They want sharing. They want new customers. Great. How do I give them what they want to force the algorithm to work for me instead of against me? Right. That's my yeah. logic behind it.
0: You're right. I love that. Well, Rob, lots of value. You're definitely an OG because, like, you know, you're, lot, you're started in 2014 in a serious way. You recently launched a podcast. Tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I'm, I'm the one. And, and really, I, my team actually decided that I was going to launch a podcast uh, one day a few months ago. And so they uh, came up with a name. We launched it. And it's been really fun. It's really just talking about the three important things in my life, which is health, wealth and relationships. So the wealth side is really about, you know, people that want to get out of corporate America or want to start their first business. Anything I can do to help. I think we're doing more case studies on that. I've been interviewing a few people and just like real world problems, like how do you take action? What, Like you asked earlier, what are these people facing for problems? I talked to a guy last week. He's trying to figure out what should his product be priced at on Amazon. Pretty sounds like a simple question, but actually probably a really complex question that you know he needs to analyze and understand because he can't price it too high or price too low. So that side of things and then help. It's really important for me to stay focused on my health and stay in shape as I get older, especially even more so. And then, you know, kids talk about things I do with my kids and try to keep my, keep my kids on the right path and teach them as much as I can. So it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Speaking from my experience, even if I didn't distribute this out to uh, people, it'd be worth it for me. Meeting people that like you that are in the game, meeting people that have a little bit of expertise, have a little bit of experience that I can learn from. It's been worth it. And so uh, a few takeaways for me. Um, Cool. So I'm the one podcast. That's it. I'm the one. Well, thanks Rob for, for coming in and chatting for a minute giving us a bit of your time, and you're still in the game with Amazon.
1: I'm going I'm find Amazon Seattle on Monday.
0: Yeah, you said that. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'll be happy to hear the results on that, and maybe we'll see the results uh, if Amazon reacts to uh, what the seller needs. Okay, well, we'll wrap up there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, Rob, thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, Scott. Pleasure talking to you.
0: All right, that's the part. We'll wrap up and see you guys next time.
1: One, two, three.